Okay, so for this one, the only title I could really come up with, and it's kind of breaking my title rule a bit, <laughs> is Gothic Yachts. Instead of Gothic Arches, yeah. Gothic Yachts. Nice. There's nothing else really works. Gotcha, yachts. Gothic Yachts. Where's the Shatner in there? Is Shatner snuck in there? Just put Billy at the front of well, it. Well, I could just gotcha. I, <laughs> Billy Gothic Yachts, <laughs> or I could like try to annotate it so you have to read it like Gothic Yachts. Yeah. So he's there in form. Ooh. Something on the wing. Oh my! It's a gargoyle. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to our very first ever listener-generated playlist episode of Shuffle. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that you picked out that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. Sitting across from me is everyone's favorite perpetual special guest, Dami Jugs. What up, y'all? Now, I wasn't sure if I could have this episode count towards our ICP sedent or not, because... Mm. You know, mm. technically, a user could have suggested one, yeah. and they did not. Unloaded a clown on us. So I don't know. What do you do? You think I should count it or not? I think it. I think well, but if we do count it, then we're inviting people okay. to request ICP so songs. I am you know not, what I mean? I'm. That's a good point. Yeah. I'm yeah, not. Yeah. No. I don't trust the masses. They're irrational. They're crazy. Have you seen them? They're wild. Person is smart. <laughs> People are dumb. Exactly. All right. So I won't announce how many episodes it's been since our last ICP. Season. Thank God. So we can move on to our new favorite reoccurring segment, the Skrillex Saga. Ooh. You have uh, been keeping up with Martin and his ongoings. Let's see. Uh, where should we start? So on February 11th, Martin Skrilli. In an attempt to further his acquisition of rare music paraphernalia, asked Kanye West if he could buy exclusive rights to his new album, <laughs> The Life of Pablo. He tweeted a letter. You know, he actually tweeted the letter that he sent to Kanye, saying, "Instead of you, and instead of you releasing this product for your millions of fans, I ask you to sell this recording solely to me for the price of." Ten million dollars. Ten mil. I believe you and your partners will find this financial arrangement more attractive than your current course of action. <laughs> he followed up the letter by tweeting to Kanye. Kanye and his label are legally required to take my offer letter to their board of directors. This should delay the album a few days. He did do this right before the life of Pablo was supposed to drop. And do you know if that? Did that play a role in it being delayed? It did not. No, okay, I no. don't think so. Because no. I'm pretty no. sure I might be getting these dates wrong. I think this was like the day before, or at least two days before, his big Madison Square Garden yep. release party, and that went on without a hitch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I suppose, the release, yeah. the first release of it. So then, mm. on February 13th, two days later, he tweeted a photo of himself holding a black vinyl record just with the caption, another one. Now, there was nothing on the vinyl suggesting it was the life of Pablo, but yeah, we all yeah. know what he was <laughs> suggesting. Shortly after that tweet, he went on to tweet at Spotify, Apple, and Pandora saying, bidding starts at $25 million. 
He also tweeted, Hip Hop will have no major releases from 2016 to 2017. Mark my words. As in he's going to snipe and purchase all of the major (laughs) hip hop releases. So one day later, on February 14th, after Kanye had released his album officially on Tidal, Martin sent out a string of extremely angry tweets stating, Who the fuck has my $15 million? I need my money back. This isn't a fucking joke. WTF. (laughs) Someone named Daquan said he was Kanye's boy, and I signed the deal to buy Pablo, and he sent the Bitcoin. Call the police. This is bullshit. (laughs) Wow. He then tweeted, I hope you all enjoy this stupid music so much and the fact that it has brought me so much pain and suffering. I quit rap. And second of all, I can make the money back faster than anyone, so the joke's on you if you think I even care. (laughs) He also tweeted, Also, idiots, I've gotten in, I've gotten um, through to Satoshi, who is the creator of Bitcoin, and he's agreed to help me get my money back. I always win. Now, first of all, I, I read this article commenting on this, how no one in the world knows where this Shitashi guy is. Like, everyone is looking for him. He has vanished from the public's eye. Good for him. So, like, <laughs> the idea that Martin just contacted him on the spot kind of already leads you to guess that this is all just him trolling and lying and trying to get attention. Yeah. Secondly, Bitcoin is known for having all of its transactions be, like, visible and verifiable yeah. very easily to, like, the public. And according to the blockchain, there were no single nor group transactions around the time that matched up with Shkreli's alleged 37,000 Bitcoin loss. Oh, really? So, basically, he's trolling us. He's just trolling us. He's trolling us. Right. Shortly after all of his angry tweets, he held this, like, lately he's been doing a lot of these live internet chats with his quote-unquote fans trying to, like, garner... He's running this whole campaign on himself that like the media is trying to smear his personal identity and he's trying to like come on come chat with me see i'm not that bad of a guy so shortly after all these angry tweets he took to one of his video chats where he looked very upset and was crying and was like saying about how he was so ripped off and i guess at some point in this stream one of his credit cards was visible Really? To the the webcam people. (laughs) And good old Anonymous and 4chan snagged that up in a second, tweeted it, and purchased and mailed 55 gallons of water-based lubricant to Martin's (laughs) home address. Wow. And then, really, and it happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely got sent to him. Now, it it was only like a little under $2,000 worth of (laughs) lube, which it's a lot of lube. It's a lot of lube. But to like someone who's willing to drop fifteen million on an album, I don't think the two thousand is really going to be hurting them. But a symbolic victory, it's perhaps. the thought that yeah, counts, yeah. anonymous. Damn. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. He's still kind of teasing this idea of a mixtape dropping at some point. Ugh. But other than that, I, that that's, that pretty much brings us up to date on the Skrillex saga. Old Marty, up to no good. That guy. So, I guess we can move on to music news. The music news. I'm going to have to cut this dead air at my iPad. Welcome to the music zone. 
You're now entering the music zone. Buckle up. I'm gonna... Or take it off if you're badass like ACDC. Wow! I, I was just about to say welcome to the jungle, but that's Guns N' Roses. <laughs> 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 Way to hell! There we, there we go. There we go. Right band. Okay. <laughs> so, recently, Team Canada, coached by Drake, beat Team America, coached by Kevin Hart, in the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game. Wow. The, the Canadian team was led by Arcade Fire's Wynn Butler, who also won MVP of the game. Nice. He scored 15 points, grabbed 14 rebounds, and is now his second year in a row on the winning team. So after the game, because he was the MVP, he mm -hmm. got to give a winning speech on live television. Yeah, I saw this. <laughs> so here, here's what he said. Thank you very much. I've been, I've lived in the great city of Montreal for 15 years. I represented Montreal. If you guys want to fast track my Canadian citizenship, hopefully this will help permanent my residence. <laughs> I just want to say that I'm retiring as a celebrity of right, as of right now, so I will not be eligible for the celebrity game next year. I'm retiring as a celebrity, so I brought this home for Canada. Respect to Drake, respect to Team Canada, all right. I just want to say it's election year in the U.S. and the U.S. has a lot it can learn. Has, um, the U.S. has a lot it can learn from Canada: healthcare, taking care of people, dot dot dot. Because at which point <laughs> he was cut off. The, the interviewer was like, "Oh, we're not here to talk about politics," and the video just cut off. She kind right of scolded him almost. Yeah. She's like, "Hey, we're not here to I do was that, like, buddy." <laughs> you got to give him respect for trying. He tried. I didn't even catch all the other stuff he said. He was trying to ease into it. He did. He, he was he was being sly about yeah, it. Yeah, sly fox. Um, shortly after, Wynn's brother, Will, who was also a member of Arcade Fire and just put out a solo album, I think, this he, last summer. Yeah, last year called... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I've listened to it and it's actually pretty good. Yeah, it good. is pretty good. And yeah. bringing it up again, since I like it so much, that podcast I like, Song Exploder. He did an episode of Song Exploder really? where Will he broke nice. down one of his songs. It was It was really good. So after uh, this video of him being cut off aired, he tweeted, I feel like when Team Canada beats Team USA, they should be able to taunt the loser about universal health care. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see what else. Right. TMZ captured a video of Paul McCartney, Beck, and Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins being denied access to a Grammys after party. Upon being denied access to the party, a bewildered Paul McCartney can be heard asking, <laughs> How VIP do we gotta get? We need another hit, guys. We need another hit. Work on it, as he pointed to Beck. <laughs> like, it was just like, <laughs> Beck and Paul McCartney can't get into a party. Damn. He didn't drop the wings card? No, he didn't. I he saw he had, he had a whole stack of them in his hands, <laughs> yeah. too, and he could have just started He's like dish them out. out. Man, damn it. Come on, Paul. Damn. So, uh, did you hear about Rob Thomas, our favorite post or post grunge guy, and his <clears throat> Australian friends? I did hear about this. This is this is one of those stories that is so dumb. It's so dumb that if you put it in a movie, people would be like, "This is so unrealistic. <laughs> this this is never campy. happened." And it's so dumb that I actually kind of feel bad for him. I hate to say it. I kind of feel bad for him because he obviously is just like. Just, just like a, a meathead. He's yeah. never like had to genuinely think really hard about something outside of himself. Yeah, that's the only way to preface it. 
<laughs> I feel bad for you, my God. So, Read a book. So, uh, our, our 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 good pal Robbie was recently playing a solo show in it's Australia. Am, I must be lonely. If, if you don't know, that's him. And uh, <laughs> he was allegedly quite inebriated while performing this concert. And during a bit of stage banter gone sour, mm-hmm. was talking to the audience saying that he drank so much before the show that he is now an Australian, which I think is already starting to be a little racist in that there's like a stereotype of Australians drinking a lot. See, that's the thing. If he had ended it right there. It would have been fine. It would have been fine, but it still would have been like an insult. Like, I'm so drunk, I'm one of you guys. Yeah. That's, you know, it's still an insult. But, but it, he should have stopped it. But then he went on to say, I drank so much, I'm now a black Australian. I drank so much, I'm now a little girl. And for all of the Rob Thomases out there, there's a entire culture of Australians called the Aborigine. Aborigines yeah. who have a darker complexion mm-hmm. are stereotypically known to have drinking problems. Yeah. And he just called himself a drunk black Australian. <laughs> he, uh. he took to his Facebook page the next day saying that he arbitrarily picked out Australian, black Australian, little girl, three things that he weren't, just trying to, like, convey how drunk he was. Like, I'm so drunk, I'm these three things that I'm not. Yeah. While insulting <laughs> two races and an entire gender, yeah, I guess, but, at the yeah, same time. Yeah, little girls. Come on, man. I think if you just, by default, free association will blurt out Something that is obviously kind of racially insensitive. That's like the essence of being like small-minded human. <laughs> like I believe he didn't mean it. No, I, I don't is, either. But... That's kind of the essence of why it's so sad. But yeah, like <laughs> it all. He's like, look, now it's fun. The way he even described it, it's like, now it's funny. I'm just bad at telling jokes. Like, I hate to say this, but it almost would have been better if he meant it to be racist. Because <laughs> at least it wasn't like, wow, you're so dumb, you're accidentally horribly racist. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm glad he's not actually racist. I take that back, but still, I like, know what you it mean, wouldn't be though. as like, cringeworthy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It'd be easiest, easier for us to just hate him, but now I like have to feel bad. Because he, he said he's like, I've been in the, my room crying for the last hour. Yeah, yeah. After I realized what I said, I started crying. Someone get those tears. Rob Thomas tears. Yeah, bottle Whoop. them, throw them up on bottle eBay, up. Yeah. give all the proceeds to the Aborigines, everyone yeah. will be happy. And the little girls. Yes, all Rob the little Thomas girls. Rob Thomas tears sprinkled yes. over. Oh, my God. The whole country and con- slash continent of Australia. This uh, next bit of news was brought to my attention by my favorite listener, Madison Quinnell. Maddie Quinnell! My girlfriend. Jared's girlfriend. (laughs) Jared's girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, Did you hear that Damon Alburn was recently christened a local king of Molly? (laughs) No. (laughs) So Damon Alburn, everyone's favorite Britpop, gorillas, blur, frontman was recently christened the local king of Mali in honor of his continued involvement in the African country's music scene. Wow. He, uh... What? Wow. He has actually, like, put out two albums of Mali-inspired music after, I think, a 
natural weather disaster that occurred there. Went there to help with some relief, donated money. He was teaching music classes for free. So as well as being christened a local king, they actually opened up like a school of music named after him there. Wow. He, he's actually more proud of that, he says, than the yeah. local king wow. christening. But king. Yeah. Wow. Good on him, man. Yeah. At I, first I thought you made King of Molly like the drug. And I was yeah. Like, yeah. He just... You know, yeah. he's out there at all the Dead Mile <laughs> Five concerts, just popping mollies and all the caucuses of molly takers congregated and voted. Yes. He is and our king. He's the king of all molly. <laughs> and our our last bit of music news was submitted by our other favorite listener, Sophie Buchheit. Sophie Buchheit. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Sophie. <laughs> she brought to my attention that. Uh, David Bowie's Black Star will be the inspiration and soundtrack for an upcoming Insta mini series. Mm. Now, do you know mm. what Insta mini series are? I uh, know, no idea. An Insta mini series is a story told through 15 second long Instagram videos over period of time, similar mm. as like a TV show, but every week or so they release a 15 second video. That will, I think it's going to be like 10 episodes long. Yeah. And uh, supposedly this was done with David's blessing. He worked with the, the series is going to be called Unbound. It premieres this Thursday, February 25th. And prior to Blackstar being released, an advanced copy of the album was sent to the creators of this. And they made it with his blessing, whether or not he fi- got to see like the final yeah cut. version of yeah. it we're not sure since he passed wow. away but yeah as well as like the themes of the album which will contribute to the story all the music in it will also be from black star so i'm wow. interested to see yeah you know there's a uh, stories being told through vine and instagram which sounds kind of dumb at first but <laughs> some of them are kind of good like there's one on vine called nsfw not safe for work of vine series yeah and it is interesting telling a story through six-second videos. I feel like it, it makes you, the viewer, feel kind of smart in that it doesn't hold your hand. Like there's a lot you have to piece together with your head because it's not yeah. like yeah, yeah, it's I not suppose. like a literal like where one video clip ends, the next one picks up. It's more of like a montage, and you uh-huh. have to piece the story together yourself while oh. like getting little glimpses into that the occurrences. So I'm hoping this will be similar to that. Yeah. Wow. I'll have to check it out. So it's premiering on Instagram. On Instagram. If wow, you follow the amazing. account, Insta <laughs> Mini Series, one word, I N S T A M I N I S E R I E S. There, I think this is an account that has other stories. Yeah, yeah. And this is their new one called Unbound, inspired by David Bowie's Black Star. Wow. Yeah. Who would have guessed? That's yeah. amazing. So, uh, you've been listening to anything good lately? I have a feeling I, I might know what you're going to say. Take a guess, Jared. Uh, something about Kesha? Uh, <laughs> no. No, uh, I'm, I'm guessing the new Animal Collective album, Painting With. Actually, I haven't. I've only listened to, like, the first half. I haven't listened to the whole thing. Unlike, critically, to really sit down and talk about it. Except I will say I generally like it. But while I was preparing for this episode, that wasn't out yet. So I feel like I can't, you know. So I can't fair point. Really, you know, so fair point. When I was preparing for this, what was I listening to? I was listening to 
Thelonious Monk, Alone in San Francisco. That's the name of the album. Because it was the 32nd anniversary of his passing. I'm not sure why people celebrate. I guess you commemorate someone's death. It makes you, you think about it. Yeah, it makes you think of it. So, there are, you know, a bunch of people I follow were reposting. Thelonious Monk, and this was my favorite album by him, so I was listening to it. Thelonious Monk, for those who don't know, he was originally in like a big band, a jazz band, and he would play piano. And he was part of a group of guys who it's, would hang out. It's actually pronounced Yaz. Yaz. I just yeah, wanted yeah, to right. make sure. I didn't well, want you to look like a fool. I didn't want to get, you know, too yeah. uh, highfalutin here. So Sorry. I was just going to say <laughs> jazz so the little people would know what I'm saying. Yeah. But he would play piano, you know, just standard boring piano for people to dance to. And then after hours, a bunch of guys, this is kind of like Miles Davis, John Coltrane types, would hang out and do jam sessions and they would try to play the craziest shit possible. Usually there's a lot of drugs going around. And it was kind of created purposefully so that white people couldn't dance to it. Bebop. Exactly. Hence bebop. And so he came out of this kind of early bebop, doing weird stuff with the piano, trying to find the notes between the keys. So he would famously hit a black and a white key at the side by side which sounds terrible but he would just throw it in there like eh. maybe like take, take that eh. white people exactly take that white fuck people. you white take fuck that you. white people <laughs> dance to that dance to that so so you get very quirky dissonant idiosyncratic music but it's fantastic it's brilliant and I like this album because it's just him playing live and actually He's, there's no audience. He recorded this live in a famous live venue with no one in it, purposefully is, for two days. I, I don't know if this has ever <laughs> been said about Thelonious Monk, but that's like that is brutal as fuck. <laughs> that is the most metal thing I've ever heard. I Dude, he was a, he was the OG. So hardcore. Do you have a specific? I, I don't know. Are, is this album actually split up into songs, or is it just yeah. like one? No, yeah, it's split up into a lot. Do you of have his, like, standards. A, one you'd like me to post along with this episode that comes to mind? Blue or? Monk. Blue Monk. Blue Monk. That's yeah. the best intro to him. Yeah. So fantastic. I wonder where the name came. From. <laughs> yeah, right. But if you don't like jazz, this won't convert you to jazz. But you'll be able to brag about it and be like, I know Thelonious Monk. Motherfucker. <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> So that's what I was listening to. I dig uh, it. With, of course, Wings playing in the other ear, you know, with a little earbud that well, only plays Wings music. It's like when you're, like, you're, you've are you taken too much acid and you got to cut the high with heroin. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's like listening to Thelonious Monk. And, exactly. And, and actually, I Maddie and I took an intro to jazz class in our undergrad. Oh, nice. And I remember our teacher was this awesome dude. His name was Billy. I can't think of his last name. He, he's this little. What? Thank you, Bernard. Bernard was the last. Billy name. Bernard. Billy Bernard. He was this little jazz guitarist. He kind of looked like the Monopoly guy. <laughs> like he's just this little short, <laughs> tiny dude, bald with a mustache. And he was like the coolest motherfucker ever. Nice. I remember, like nice. one of the one of the first classes, he came in and said, "Like, jazz wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for heroin and acid." Yeah. Like, he's just, he just like. See, that is, yeah. not to get too off track, but allegedly, John Coltrane, like, got his chops by doing heroin and practicing for, like, days straight, on, on in, never stopping. Yeah, and I. Just shooting up. And I'm 
not trying to like <laughs> say anything weird, but like, because his saxophoning sounds incredible. Yeah, but insane. it sounds like someone who's high off his fucking yeah. mind. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. You know, it's like you hate to like have your favorite artists like kill themselves slowly, but yeah, you put out good stuff. See, there's was, there's two types of music. The type of music that you have to be on drugs to make sound good and then there's kinds where you have to be on drugs as a listener like wings like makes it sound and good fish. <laughs> yeah, and fish and the grateful yeah, exactly. dead <laughs> exactly so um i've been listening to i think i might have found my favorite album like ever Ooh. like I, i'm just gonna stop listening to music jandek it was jandek's <laughs> 76th <laughs> album. Yeah. No. Ooh, that's a good cut. That's nice a good Jan one. Dick yeah. throwback. Nice Jan, yeah. Uh, it's um, this artist named Home. Huh. H-O-M-E, and the album is called Odyssey. They are, I don't even know if it's a man or a woman. This person is a part of a collective called the Midwest Collective. It's a bunch of artists from the Midwest and from what I gathered, they mostly make vaporwave and chillwave music, uh, which, hold uh, your horses, audience, there's a... What is vaporwave? There might be a vaporwave special coming down the pipeline. <laughs> now, yeah, this would make so much more sense like if I had like an hour to tell you a bunch <laughs> of shit. So, like, back when I was an undergrad, this weird phenomenon happened called witch house music mm-hmm. which was like kind of this like creepy 90s really slowed down r&b electronic music featuring occult macabre horror themes mm-hmm. and all these bullshit artists came out just horribly unlistenable music but like a few came through that took these ideas of witch house and they actually made amazing music and i'm planning on doing witch house episodes nice point, yeah, yeah people like lama Cobb and holy other and rituals people like that so vaporwave was another one of these kind of like weird joke genres yeah of like these kids throwing back to like 80s and 90s music and consumerism and capitalism we're like in dolphins <laughs> and cgi like horrible cgi <laughs> graphics and I think Vaporwave has been around long enough where these couple of artists are actually breaking through this joke genre and actually making extremely good music. And this guy or girl, this person, home, is one of those people. Nice. If, I don't know if this will mean anything to anybody, but like Maddie pointed out, like they kind of sound like a mix of Boards of Canada, which are like a very famous IDM group and Tycho who is hmm. one of my favorite kind of chill wave artists yeah uh, electro acoustic artists so it has this very like warm analog dated sound like 70s but yeah it's electronic and it is just so relaxing and there's like a little bit of like chiptune 8-bit nice. kind of music in nice. there too it's all instrumental and it is like the most enjoyable active listening, but also passive listening. Like you could throw it on nice. in the background and do anything, but you can also like fully enjoy just listening to it, fully attend. Nice. I That's love it. Rare. Nice. I actually, nice. 
This has never happened to me before. I was streaming this album on the artist's Bandcamp because it's not available anywhere else. And I actually listened to it so many times on the Bandcamp <laughs> that Bandcamp said, you have to buy this album before you can listen to it anymore. Wow. And it was only a dollar. So I download. I, and you bought I it, gladly yeah. gave this person a dollar. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Holmes album, Odyssey. Amazing. Nice. Yeah, now, definitely. the other thing I've been listening to, and I wouldn't say like I've been like listening to it, but I just wanted to talk to you about it. Did you see Kendrick Lamar's Grammy performance? I did. Yeah, I did. Holy fuck. Yeah, it was that crazy. Was yeah, incredible. it was crazy. That was crazy. So for anyone who didn't see, it was kind of a mashup of Kendrick's two songs, Blacker the Berry and All Right. And yep. then there was a third untitled song. Yeah. Which he's... Because Kendrick's been kind of known for recently anytime he's on like he plays like the Colbert show or Jimmy Fallon or a talk show he plays these untitled unreleased songs yeah and he came forward saying like he has quote unquote a chamber of unreleased music that Damn. he plans to never record that he just holds on to for these live performances which <laughs> I think is a pretty badass thing it's crazy yeah, but yeah. damn like the Grammys which is like extremely corporate award ceremony yeah. and he does this Taylor Swift one record yeah, of the year to yeah. give you a sense but his performance was like the most commentary controversial yeah. uh, he he came out in a chain gang like yeah. in the original sense of a chain gang of him and a bunch of black prisoners with their feet shackled in their arms yeah. with handcuffs on and start singing one of the most provocative songs I think I've ever heard, Blacker the Bear. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I got to hand it to him. He edited this song. There was no N-words. There were no F-bombs. But it still sent across the message. Yeah. And then yeah. halfway through, everyone breaks out of their chains, and they are drenched in a black light. And unbeknownst to the audience, they are covered in, like, black light tape. And they look like they have extremely like tribal African painting on them and they're yeah. doing tribal dances. He cuts over to the other stage and there's flames in the background yeah, and more fire. tribal dancing yeah. and he's singing all right. And then he goes off by himself to sing this untitled piece and it all ends with the outline of the continent of Africa yeah. with the word Compton written over it. Yeah, it was badass like, as I don't, fuck. Uh, yeah. I don't even want to like <laughs> get into it because I'm not the person to be like, commentating on this especially yeah. like Kendrick or uh, Kanye says white people aren't allowed to talk about black music anymore <laughs> which hint there might be a Kanye special uh, episode of this podcast <laughs> coming out later on no one tell Kanye we're yeah, doing forgive it forgive us Kanye no one tell Kanye we're doing <laughs> this but yeah I, I'll post a Justin link. Bieber performed on Grammy so we can talk about that oh yeah let's right? talk about <laughs> JB's I don't know um, I guess I can quit blowing smoke up Kendrick's ass but do you do you have anything you want to add about his performance other than it was awesome yeah it was yeah it was insane yeah you just gotta see it find it online we'll post it maybe oh, if it's on it. YouTube yeah it's insane yeah the visuals and his performance yeah it's nuts I was kind of relieved because like a few months ago he was doing like okay when did the album come out the album came out in like last May I think. think it was before that. Even, even before that. Because, like, I was... 
I'm pretty sure it was like still kind of went, it had to have been like March. Yeah, maybe March or Mar- April or something. Okay, because I think for most of the summer when he was doing like festivals, he would hardly do any songs from that album. And people were kind of worried that like, was he like too nervous to do these songs live or what was going on? And I, I should follow up and see. My, I assume that he has done them live since, but I know he's planning a big tour. And if this is a glimpse of the kind of theatrics and intensity and seriousness he's going to bring to that tour, then this is like the ultimate tour to see Kendrick Lamar on. Like, he, he, he has he's got to be like the most... I hate to say this, but like Kendrick is doing what Kanye thinks he's doing. Yeah. Like yeah, Kanye yeah, yeah. goes on and on about how he's this amazing artist. Mm-hmm. Kendrick is like the most provocative, enthralling, entertaining, intelligent performer yeah. I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. And like his ability to do like these like mashups of his songs and like make it flow well and the political statements he's making. Yeah. It's just and what? He's like our age. He's like 26, isn't he? Yeah, I he? think, yeah, like, 26, 27. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. He's yeah. He's going to go down in history as like an icon. Yeah, no uh, doubt. Without a no doubt. No doubt. I did see him live. I'm honored to say I have seen him live. I didn't know who the hell he was, and I couldn't make out any of the words because it was like super loud. But I saw him live. He smoked a joint, too. I saw God. <laughs> Dominic's so cool. I wish I, I was Dominic. I know. Why Y'all jealous, Dominic? man. If only you could be at a Kendrick show and not know who he was <laughs> and then brag about it. God. <laughs> I wish I was Dominic. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our first song in this playlist submitted by you, the users. Our first song submitted by my favorite person ever, Maddie Quinnell. Ah. Love of my life. Where Does This Disco by Yacht? Mm-hmm. Off the 2014 EP, Where Does This Disco? Yacht, which is stylized as capital Y, triangle, capital C, capital H, capital T, mm-hmm. is a synth, synth pop dance punk American band from Portland, Oregon, though they want it to be known that they are based out of Los Angeles, California. They oh. feel like that is an important part of their image. It is a two-person group uh, comprised of Jonah Bechtolt and Claire L. Evans. Now, when they perform live, I think they have additional members with them. The name Yacht is a reference to Y-A-C-H-T, which is an alternative school in Portland. It stands for Young Americans Challenging High Technology. Really? This is a school... (laughs) Now, <laughs> just a forewarning. I, I mean, I've heard Yacht's music. They make catchy synth pop music. Yeah. I had no idea the level of pretentiousness that this band felt <laughs> before I had to do some research on them. So first of all, I the first thing I learned is they published a book called, and this whole thing I'm about to say is their title, "The Secret Teachings." of the mystery lights a handbook on overcoming humanity and becoming your own god wow which explains their personal beliefs and philosophies as a group 
Which are what roughly? Are they like Satanist? Or no, no. Okay, so from what I learned off their website, yacht. So if you go on their <laughs> website, there's a section called Yacht Trust. Now this section includes their mission statement, uh, FAQ of the band, and some of the teachings from this book. So, Yacht is a band, belief system, and business. <laughs> All people are welcome to become members of Yacht. Accordingly, Yacht is and always will be what Yacht is, the Yacht standing before you. So if you want, Whoa. you can be a member of Yacht. So they, wow. they are, from what I gathered, an alternative to religion. They are a belief huh. system, as well as a band and a business who make many products, such as sunglasses, uh, phone cases, lots of different things. Like L. Ron Hubbard said, if you want to make a lot of money, start a religion. Damn. So on, on this section of the website, they answer these questions. How do you write, spell, or say yacht? Their answer. <laughs> Capitalization of yacht is crucial. The name is an the name is an acronym. Without proper capitalization, a proper layer of meaning is entirely lost. It also looks silly. So yacht, spelt not in all caps, is unacceptable. <laughs> they answer, is yacht compatible with my religion? They also answer, if I believe in God, can I still be a part of Yacht? They also speak a lot of mantras, and they answer the question, what is a mantra? They also have a list of Yacht-recommended mantras, such as, where does the spirit dwell? Not in heaven, not in hell. You do not go to death, death comes to you. Everything crumbles before the other, and I'm aware of my power to create and to destroy. Wow. They also have an entire PDF. And by the way, I'm planning on posting all these PDFs. <laughs> they have a PDF on Yacht's tattoo policy. They have a, a downloadable official tattoo policy of Yacht sanctioned tattoos. What they can be, what size they can be, and where on their your body you can place them. Wait, is it possible this is all like just a big like put on, like they're just fucking with us? No. Really? Not wow, all. that's amazing. Because I'm going to get into it. <laughs> okay. <more>. Yeah. <laughs> they also describe their obsession with triangles. Why hmm. do they like triangles? They also have a downloadable diagram that speaks of the significance of triangles throughout history and what they mean within the context <laughs> of yacht. I'm kind of starting to like yacht more because of this. This is now, kind of amazing. Now, the reason why I know they're being <laughs> serious is because they gave this Ted esque. Talk. It wasn't a TED Talk, yeah. but they gave a talk through Wired specifically about this song that huh. we're about to talk about. So, Where Does This Disco is a project, not a song, a project about the slow death of physical medium media. Hmm. More specifically, about the death of the compact disc. So I will post a link to this video, but they, they gave this whole presentation through Wired Magazine about this song, <laughs> the message behind it, and how CDs are dying. Hmm. And so, yeah, they, they did this talk, and like while they were doing research on the history of compact discs, they learned about Glassmasters. 
which in case you weren't aware, every time a CD is mass produced, it begins with this copy called the Glass Master, which is a round plate of glass containing the disc's master data. So like, it's a, it's a, it looks like a CD, but it's made out of glass, and it is used to make the copies of all the CDs, which then are, you know, produced yeah, and distributed right, yeah, yeah. to everybody else. And they also learned that, you know, the when you look at a CD, there's kind of like a shiny bit, and there's actually a, a foil put on one side of it. And the, the foil coating on the back of a CD doesn't actually store any data. It simply reflects the laser beam, allowing the data on the disc to be read by the CD mm -hmm. player. And the music is actually encrypted. It's in the plastic of the, the CD disc. Yeah. So now after finding out about this, Yacht commissioned a special run of CDs containing their entire music catalog, every song they've ever made, without any foil on it. <laughs> so they were... To, to represent huh. this idea of the death of the CD, they were selling discs which contained every song they've ever made, but it's unplayable because wow. there's no foil on the other side of it. Wow. It, it is so brilliant. goddamn metaphorical. That, that's brilliant. Yeah. So they, they <laughs> this, and I, I could keep going, but that's what you need wow. to know about Yacht as a band. So what did you think about where does this disc go? Well, I, I have a bit of a soft spot for Yacht because... Have you ever, you've probably heard the song Psychic City. Yes. Have you seen the music video? I have not. Yeah, the music video is very, is full of very like, um, like a transgressive images of a guy. In fact, there's a warning before the video starts because it looks like they're like desecrating a communion and the Eucharist. And so I, when I was kind of young and rebellious, I was like, wow, that's badass. And the song is very catchy. But this is where... This is kind of my, my ultimate opinion on Yacht and this song is that, is that yeah, if pretentiousness is trying to seem like it means more than it really does, then it is. Meaning that the song Psychic City is a fantastic pop song, synth pop. This is a very good playable synth pop song. But if it's supposed to be a deep statement about something metaphysical, then I gotta disagree. I feel like that's kind of what you were saying. I completely agree with okay, you. Like, yeah. this is a very catchy <laughs> song. Like, first of all, the bass line of this song yeah. is like one of the catchiest things yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. I love the bass. I'm not a huge fan of the vocal melody in this song, especially yeah. on the refrain. Yeah. But if their whole central idea is getting across <laughs> this, this idea of the physical media dying, I did not get that message. Yeah, and I got a, this kind of like catchy song. You kind of talk about disco, but I, and I mean, I, I I read the lyrics. The idea doesn't seem to be in there. Like I kind of, <laughs> after knowing about their idea of this you song, searched for I it kind of it. like vaguely got the sense like, oh, maybe the lead singer's like singing from the perspective of a CD, yeah. and they're kind of like desperately trying to stay relevant <laughs> but like that was a huge leap even yes. after i knew about the idea behind the song yeah i gotta say if you think it's just supposed to be a pop song and then you hear it it has some clever lines oh you know that if you just expect it to be a pop song you'll be like oh, you know made a copy of you 
clear circle dot I can't break is kind of like weird. But if you, and so, so then you'll be pleasantly surprised. But if you think it's supposed to be something grand, <laughs> then you'll be very disappointed. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no offense to them, but it's almost like their ability to make catchy music is hindering their, their ability, ability to yeah. like get across this message of like ideology. Yeah, they gotta go darker. Or they gotta go deeper. Yeah, or like stuff. more experimental. Because yeah. I think like most of their listeners are like, oh, this is a dancey synth pop song that I can bob my head to. I had no idea. Yeah, it's a simple, confident, precise synth pop song. Yeah. And that's all, you know. And I feel like people are going to be way too caught up (laughs) on how catchy it is to even like start to think like, oh yeah, physical media is dying. (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah, that's surprising. That's very surprising. You think they would at least like, because the song, the, the audio quality is so clean. It's very clean, very simple. You think they'd at least experiment with like, you know, distortion things sounding like they're tearing apart or something. I don't know. It's just a poppy driving tune that I like, yeah. but it's n- it's nothing metaphysical. But maybe we just don't have the tattoos yet. And the I guess yeah. <laughs> like if if you look at the PDF, like some of the sanctioned tattoos are triangles or anchors and like there's very specific parts of the body that you're supposed to get them tattooed on wow we should post the video to psychic city i will because it's it's got tons of like very strange imagery that i have no idea how it's supposed to align with the song because the song is just a beautiful it could be like the cranberries it sounds like a cranberry song like remixed electronically and apparently it's supposed to be like metaphysical deep deep all right i guess with that we can move on to rocket man to a song that i will be arguing is actually very deep this song i actually i gave it my all okay. and i actually was a little bit uh what's the word you know uh, transformed converted converted <laughs> to the I was. to the church of william of the shat to, to, to him and what it means to be a rocket man. <laughs> All right. So this song was submitted by our mutual friend, Scott Coslo. Scotty. Good old Scotty. <laughs> which is a Star Trek. Scotty, yeah. Star Trek, William Shatner. If you don't know, we're not going to tell you about the reference. All right. If you have to ask, you'll never know. <laughs> so he submitted William Shatner's rendition of Elton John's Rocket Man. Now, this song was originally performed by William Shatner at the 1978 Science Fiction Award Ceremony and was later solidified on an album of William Shatner's in 2011 called Seeking Major Tom. Mm -hmm. Now, William Shatner is a famous Canadian actor, singer, author, producer, director, spokesman, and comedian from Montreal, (laughs) Quebec. Who is most famous for his portrayal of James T. Kirk, captain of the USS Enterprise in the Star Trek franchise. Shatner's musical musical career began in 1968 with the release of his album, The Transformed Man. Now this was a concept album that set out to juxtapose famous pieces of poetry with their modern counterparts 
pop lyrics. <laughs> the album is best remembered for showcasing Shatner's now famous vocal style, which is a kind of spoken word with dramatic pauses and flourishes. The first release was widely mocked and parodied for its unusual style. They just didn't get it. Shatner has defended his stylings, refusing to acknowledge it as an experiment that went wrong, and insisting that it was an acting performance from the perspective of an LSD user. Hmm. Specifically the transformed man, yeah. not all of his musical career. <laughs> uh, George Clooney, other actor, chose this album, The Transformed Man, as one of his desert island discs that he would bring along if marooned on an island, stating that it would give him incentive to leave the island. He said, if you listen to this album, you will hollow out your leg and make a canoe just to get off the island. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good line. So this album that the song appeared on, Seeking Major Tom, is Shatner's third album, and it is a double-disc concept album featuring many guest appearances, including Sheryl Crow, Ellen Parsons, Peter Frampton, Zach Wilde, Johnny Winter, Brad Paisley, and Bootsy Collins. Bootsy! And the uh, entire album consists of cover, of cover songs, mostly space-related related in theme. So Rocket Man was originally written by Elton John and Bernie Taupin and performed by Elton, appearing on his 1972 album, Honky Chateau under the title Rocket Man in parentheses I think it's going to be a long long time the song echoes the theme of David Bowie's 1969 song Space Oddity both were produced by the same guy I found out Gus Dungeon Dungeon but the song was actually inspired by Taupin's sighting of either a shooting star or distant airplane the account goes on to relate that the notion of astronauts no longer being perceived as heroes, but in fact as an everyday occupation, hmm. led him to the song's opening lines, she packed my bags last night pre-flight, zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high <laughs> as a kite by then. Nice. The lyrics in the song, inspired by the short story, The Rocket Man by Ray Bradbury, describes a Mars-bound astronaut's mixed feelings at leaving his family in order to do his job. Other than Shatner, the song has been covered by many others, including Kate Bush, David Fonseca, Me First in the Gimme Gimmies, Elvin and the Chipmunks, Maynard James Keenan of Tool in a Perfect Circle, My Morning Jacket, William Hung, The Gin Blossoms, Neil Diamond, and our our good friends Puddle of Mud. What? Wow. Yeah. The original performance by Shatner was introduced by the song's writer, Toppin, and the video utilized chroma key video techniques to simultaneously, simultaneously portray three different images of Shatner represent the different facets of the Rocketman character. Mm-hmm. Shatner's 1978 performance of the song has been parodied on the animated shows Animaniacs, Family Guy, Freakazoid, Futurama, The Simpsons, Reboot, as well as being parodied by Beck in his music video for Where It's At and <laughs> on The Late Night Show with David Letterman. So... W- <laughs> Tell us about this song. Donnie. Yeah, okay. See, Rocket Man is done by Elton John. It's a good song. 
But with William Shatner, we get something a little bit more than that. And you have to see the live version with the visuals to understand the masterpiece that's going on here. This is a master performance, all right? I'm not joking. I am not joking. Okay, see, it's, it is. You said it yourself. It's the three different representations. Three different facets of Rocket Man. Of the Rocket Man. And what is a Rocket Man? Rocket Man. See? Is it just someone in space? Or is it just alienation? Writ large. Oh, shit. And what are the three types? Let's go back to the basics. Three types. Ego. Super ego id. I guarantee if you rewatch this, if you rewatch this video and you say the first Shatner is just Shatner, he sounds a little... Sus it's the ego, okay? This is the conscious kind of governing, you know, apparatus, right? He's kind of a little suspicious, but he's basically just him being him, right? That's it. Him being a rocket man. It's a little funny. Miss my wife. A little glib, but it's just normal, right? Agree? Yeah, he's seen... Okay, I will say the first one, he seems like he's seen some shit. Yeah. You know, like yeah. sweat on his brow. Yeah. His tux is undone. He's but smoking he's a cigarette. But he's Feels like he's dead inside. Almost. Yeah, but he's keeping it together. He is. You know, he's keeping he's it together. He's just kind of, he's dealing with it. Yeah. That second one, this is the super ego. Serious. This is, yeah, the very, this one, he's a little more stern. He has more conviction. This is when he says, it's, it's just a job. That's your super ego talking. You know what I mean? When you're alienated, that's the sort of thing you fall back on, right? And it's just the embarrassing <laughs> And then the id. And this is the raw, even sexual pleasure we get from being alienated, right? You And it's, it is that dynamic that William Shatner poetically gives to us. Whole body. You got to see it yourself. Rock it, man. That's it, man. This is the manifold psychic contours of man's alienation from himself. And this is what I get <laughs> for having a rhetorician as my co-host on this podcast. Hey, man. I'm right. That's all I have to say is I'm right. <laughs> this is probably the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. But you got to see the video. The video is like... Kendrick Lamar, eat your heart out, man. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> this is nuts. This is totally insane. It's very good. Now, so you <laughs> did not listen to the 2011 recording. You no. only have watched the 1978 performance of it. That's right. So I'll have to go back and double the check. The 2011, I almost for, for the enthusiasm you showed towards the 1978 performance, I yeah. would recommend to you not really? to listen to the 2011 recording. They tone it down. I, oh. I mean, like I said, he is much older. Yeah. But he just sounds bored. What? He sounds yeah, like sad. he sounds like he's just like gotta fucking do this now. Yeah. The, like, I will say in the nineteen seventy eight performance, he did a great job acting. He yucks like, it up. He, he really, really yucks it did up. He gets give, like this <laughs> idea of like three parts of one character. Yeah. That, the third one is hilarious. That so. does not come across in this recording version and i don't That's know i don't know if like simply listening to the 1978 performance would still get across this idea of like these three parts like the video might be 
central to yeah. getting this idea across. Yeah. But the 2011 version, I don't know. There's something missing from it. Now, need that visual, man. I, I will give him this is a very original idea. This idea of these like dramatic vocal <laughs> performances of pop yeah. songs. It is an extremely novel idea, which I think wears off a bit quickly. Yeah, I would like, imagine. Like listening to an album of this shit, I can't imagine. But <laughs> like like it's like, you know, George Clooney said it. He was well. <laughs> he was giving the world something they didn't know they wanted, and I'm not sure they actually <laughs> wanted it at all. But yeah. it was it was a novel idea and it, it is entertaining for one song yeah the thought that he has like multiple albums of this <laughs> stuff is a bit much i think like he's like all true geniuses after a while they don't understand what yeah. they did like you gotta go back to the original watch the video i feel like this if this had happened in our day and age it would have been like a viral video you know, yeah, like it was yeah. like one of the first viral videos. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Like you can't monetize it, you can't recreate it, yeah. but it <laughs> is what it is, and nothing else will ever be that. Yeah, exactly. It's brilliant, I man. I, uh, I think he definitely added an amount of depth to the song that Elton did not give it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But <laughs> I'm gonna, like, coming to my side. Am man. I gonna throw this on a playlist? No, unless no, like is... I'm looking for some lulls. <laughs> I guess this is a song that you—it's like a sacred song. All right, it's not a profane song that you play in the car. You sit down in a dark room and you kneel and you watch it and you go wow. And then you do some heroin <laughs> and you make some bebop jazz music. Yeah, exactly. And then you pray to the Church of God. <laughs> It's brilliant. Man's alienation from himself in all its complexity. Ooh, Billy. Right. Billy Shatner. Is there anything else you want to fucking say about this? I got song? about two more pages on okay, this song. But we'll <laughs> We're moving on to the next song. I'm pulling Look at rank. my blog if I'm you want to read rank. more. I'm pulling rank. It's Dominic.Manthy at Zanga. You want to read more? Zanga. <laughs> read my Zanga blog. <laughs> Hosted on Geosites. <laughs> yeah. There's a mirror on an angel fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next song submitted to us by one of my best friends, host of the Game Cave podcast, one-time guest host of Shuffle, hopefully nice. on wait, here wait, again guest soon. guest host or temporary Temporary co-host. Yeah, there you go. Not special guest. Yeah, temporary not co-host. the permanent special guest. John Miller. John Miller recommended the song. Walking My Gargoyle by Gothic Arches. Off the 2006 album, The Tragic Treasury, songs from a series of unfortunate events. Hmm. Now, the the Gothic Arches are a uh, self-described goth bubblegum band. (laughs) Now, goth rock... So so goth bubblegum, in case you were wondering, is a hybrid of goth rock and bubblegum pop. Goth rock is a musical subgenre of post-punk and alternative rock that formed during the late 1970s that was defined as a separate movement from post-punk due to its darker music accompanied by introspective and romantic lyrics. Uh, think Joy Division, Susie and the Banshees, Bauhaus, The Cure. Mm-hmm. 
bubblegum pop is a genre of pop music with an upbeat sound contrived and marketed to appeal to preteens and teenagers <laughs> that may be produced in an assembly line process driven by producers and often using unknown singers. So this is like corporate pop. The most popular yeah. bubblegum pop song ever is Sugar Sugar by the animated band The Archies based off the comic series Archies. You know, like, oh. sugar, sugar, doo, 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 yep. doo, doo, yep. oh, honey, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that is like the most <laughs> infamous bubblegum pop song of all time. Fake song made by a fake band that is widely known by everybody. <laughs> so when... I didn't know anything about like I knew that John was a fan of the Gothic Arches, but I never really looked into them. Wait, is it the Gothic Arches Sorry. or Archies? Well, so it is a play on that actually. Oh, okay. okay Their I name gotcha. is based off of Gothic architecture, got the Gothic Arch, and the band Archies. Okay. Gothic yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arches, Archies. Nice. So it is a nice, play on that. Nice. So when I first heard this song, like I really didn't know anything about Gothic Arches, and when the guy started singing I'm like holy fuck this sounds exactly like the magnetic fields like, yeah this guy could be the brother of magnetic fields little did I know that it is actually a solo project of Stephen Merritt yeah. the lead singer and main creative force behind magnetic fields which is awesome I love yeah. magnetic fields I yeah. had no idea that he had this <laughs> weird solo project called gothic arches so I'm sorry I didn't listen to them sooner, John, but thank you for yeah. bringing this to my attention. Yeah. So Gothic Arches first started in 1997. He released his first EP then, and the band actually rose to prominence when they were asked to perform and record songs for the audiobook versions of Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. Huh which is a series of children's books. I don't know if you read them. Yeah, I did as I a read kid. Them yeah, I love them. Too. Yeah, I love, love those books. Yeah. I had no idea that there was like a band inspired by these books. Wow. So Daniel Hadler, which hmm. is the actual name of Lemony Snicket. Lemony Snicket was just a pen name for the books because uh. if you've read the books, the author of the books actually plays a role in the story themselves. So yeah. Daniel Hadler, who actually in the real world wrote the books created this character lemony snicket who wrote the books a series of unfortunate events commissioned <laughs> stephen merritt and his band gothic arches to basically for every book in the series which there are 13 of write one song for each of these in case any of you aren't familiar a series of unfortunate events is a series of 13 children's novels which follows the turbulent lives of violet klaus and sunny baudelaire is that how you say it yeah. Because I know it has something yeah. to do with that poet. Yeah, Baudelaire. Baudelaire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it follows these children and their horrible lives they lead after their parents die in a fire. And so this album is a collection of 13 songs based off of each book with two additional tracks uh, that were released. This song actually being one of them, the Walking My Gargoyle. Yeah. As huh. this album, The Tragic Treasury. And the Gothic Arches actually briefly toured to promote this album, featuring Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Fields on ukulele and vocals, and Daniel Hadler, Lemony Snicket himself, playing accordion for these live performances. Wow. So yeah, like I said, this song, a... Walking My Gargoyle, <laughs> it was originally intended to be used for the ninth book in the series, The Carnivorous Carnival, but was replaced by the song Freak Show, so now it's one of those bonus songs. Oh, uh, I got you. 
So there's kind of your background information. What did you think about walking my gargoyle? Yeah, I think within like a minute, like 30 seconds of listening to it, it had like the kind of sonic bubbly vibe that I thought was very familiar. And I looked to see who this was. And I was like, fucking Stephen Merritt. Yeah, from Magnetic Field. I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, because yeah, it just has that kind of, I don't know how to even describe it. Just kind of sonic, bubbly, Yeah, it's like, especially like, these kind of like, what I associate with Magnetic Fields is like, these sonic, bubbly sounding songs, but like, Bukowski-esque yeah. lyrics, like these yeah. dark, dirty places that yep. he can take you to, but it sounds so upbeat Happy. and catchy, <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. exactly what this song is. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, I, I dug it. I dug it. Uh, I, the vote, Wait, so that is Stephen Merritt singing. That is him singing. Because, wait, does he... He often will have, like, guest vocalists, right? Yes, Magnetic Fields. Yeah, that's why. Has multiple vocalists. Actually, Daniel Hadler is also sometimes a member of the Magnetic Magnetic huh. Fields. But wow. yeah, this is him singing on this song. Because for some reason, I was like, I thought Stephen Merritt's voice was like high pitched. Oh no, he's got the deep. He does have the deep, deep voice. voice. Okay, that was because the music. I was like familiar, but I was like, wow, that's like Crash Test Dummies. Remember them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, shit, so. Well, there's one time. <laughs> And that's what it sounds like here. But I love it. I mean, I dug it. It was like a cool song. It seemed like it sounds like it could have been on like an episode of like Pete and Pete. Definitely. It has like a 90s vibe to it, which I I dig. I I really dug like the sitar. Like, I like how like it has this like (laughs) mandolin psychedelic sound to it, but then it is. It is literally a song about a man <laughs> walking his, his pet gargoyle. gargoyle. Like, I, yeah. I, there, I don't really need to analyze the lyrics. It yeah. is about a man walking his pet gargoyle. Yeah. And, yeah. But yet it has this psychedelic, trippy sitar <laughs> pop song sound to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, being someone who's read this, this, this book series... And hearing this song definitely made me want to like. I want to listen to this album now. I'm I'm highly interested yeah, in listening yeah, to the rest of that. this yeah. this album. Yeah. And yeah, for such a macabre inspired song, I love how psychedelic and trippy and upbeat yeah. it sounds. Yeah. No, it's a really great song. Well produced and nostalgic. It's got a yeah. nostalgic vibe to it. And for like a song that was marketed for like children, I think it is still enjoyable without yeah. having like even if yeah. you don't care about this book series i think you could still enjoy listening to this song yeah yeah that's a good one any any other thoughts or no yeah it's a kind of simple but really good song that's a really good song completely agree yeah, steven fucking merritt man that guy yeah going back to song everywhere. exploder he just did song exploder, really wow where he talks about this really great song he just wrote called andrew and drag you heard this song? No, no, okay. no, no. Uh, sorry, slight tangent. So he wrote <laughs> this song while drinking in a bar. I, I don't know if you know, but Stephen Merritt is a gay man. Yeah. And so he wrote this, like, very kind of novel song, which at first is humorous, but it's ultimately just horribly heartbreaking. Oh. So the song is written in the perspective of a straight man who has his best friend in real life is another straight man and his his so you never learn about the 
the narrator's name, but the narrator's straight friend's name is Andrew. And Andrew comes to the narrator and says, I have something I need to admit to you. I, I don't know why, but I am obsessed with drag. I like dressing up as a woman. I like going to like drag contests and performing. I, I still love women. It's just something yeah. I like to do. And I need your support. And I want you to come to my drag show tonight. Wow. So the narrator then goes to the bar. And he's saying, like, I don't know why I did this. I'm just planning on getting drunk and supporting my friend. And when he sees his friend Andrew and drag come on stage, he falls madly in love with this woman wow and the song is ultimately about the heartbreak about how he a straight man has fallen head over heels in love with a fictional woman who does not exist and how he's like no one will ever be andrew and drake i'm going to die alone and unhappy because the only person i want to be with doesn't real isn't real and it is andrew and drag damn it's like fuck (laughs) wow that's that is intense damn that's very yeah, I'll, that's I'll some po- deep shit. I'll post the song Exploder episode because hearing him talk about it is like more rewarding than the song itself almost. Yeah. I wonder if uh, William Shatner would do a version of it. A, dr- <laughs> a dramatized interpretation <laughs> of it. Why Three you... characters already right there. Yeah. Come the on. Narrator, Andrew, and Andrew and Drake. Drake. Get on this, Willie. Call Bill Call Bill. Steve, call Bill. I know you guys know him. Right? All right. Let's move on to Twice by Little Dragon, which was submitted to us by our friends and listeners, Amanda Atkins Johnson and her fiance, Jose Aguilar. I hope I pronounced that right. Jose, I'm sorry if I didn't. (laughs) And this is off their eponymous album, Little Dragon, which came out in 2007. Hmm. Little Dragon are a Swedish trip hop slash indie tronica band from Gothenburg. And they have a very strong soul and R&B influence on their music. It's kind of what put them on the map. The name Little Dragon was inspired by the nickname that their vocalist, Yukimi Nagano, earned due to the tantrums she would throw while recording in the studio. She would (laughs) flip out and they call her Little Dragon because she's this little tiny girl, but she would throw these huge tantrums. So... They formed in 1996 while Yukimi was a freshman in high school and the bass player Frederick Wallen and the drum player Eric Bowden were seniors in high school. So they formed in 1996 but their first official release actually wouldn't be out till 2006 so like they just practiced as a band for like 10 years before they finally put out an album. And on the recommendation of his wife Damon Alburn who we talked about earlier frontman for Blur and Gorillaz invited Little Dragon to feature on Gorillaz 2010 album Plastic Beach. They appeared on the tracks Empire Ants and To Binge, as well as they joined Gorillaz on their Escape Plastic Beach tour. And this is the first time I've ever heard of Little Dragon was their appearance on the Gorillaz album. And I dig those two tracks a lot. I always meant to check them out more, but I never did. Yeah. So the the BBC had this to say about this self-titled album of theirs. Little Dragon are four school friends from Gothenburg who play sparse, 
quirky, genre-blending music around singer Yukimi's eerie, heartfelt tones. Hmm. This is sure to lead to comparisons with Bjork as well as Kate Bush, but there's also a soul element to their sound as well as touches of jazz and 80s pop. The production hovers between trip and minimal, refusing to commit the trendy bedroom sound, eliminating any grandiosity which might have rendered this record out of rather than in its time. Hmm. Little Dragon have some nice songs and are experts in creating moods which are both ambivalent and poignant at the same time. Hmm. This is music for lazy days in the park, late night trains, and small gatherings with close friends. A subtle grower and a promising start. Hmm. Now, some possible interpretations to the meaning of this song. The majority of people believe that this song is about cheating on a loved one. Hmm. Some think that it is the narrator who is cheating on their significant other with the same person over and over again. And some people also think that it's about like her continually going back to someone who's cheated on her over and over again, like hmm. giving someone a second chance over and over again, hence the name twice. Some people think this song is about her struggling with the duality in the person she loves. Like, the person she loves has, like, two faces. Or three, like William Shatner. (laughs) And some people think that this is just kind of, like, her struggling with the fact that she keeps dating, like, the wrong guys Mm. over and over again. Mm. So, uh, what did you think about this song? I thought this was a great song, honestly. I thought it was a beautiful kind of piano and bass with the fantastic voice with kind of shifting electronics in the back and yeah i liked it a lot i liked kind of a a bit of what the review was saying how it kind of stays almost in a tense way between genres and you can't quite just grab it and i got it and i i thought it was really it was somewhere between kind of sounding nostalgic and almost sentimental and kind of like ruminating and brooding and it just hit that it just stayed that course of kind of, I don't know, introspective. I, I thought it was great. I really, really dug this yeah. song a lot. I, I love this song. It, yeah. it was beautiful. It was simple. It was powerful. E- even though I'm not quite sure what the song's about, yeah. the minimal instrumentation and her vocal performance, it just, like, devastated me. Yeah. Like, I yeah. I teared up a little bit the first time I listened to this yeah. song. Yeah. I just, I felt this, like, great sense of loss and regret like she made me feel her emotions her voice is powerful it was yeah yeah and like just it devastated me and also the the piano in this song really reminded me of this song by the smiths called sleep oh yeah sing me to sleep that song the piano was like almost exactly the same as that song and that that song by the smiths is also a song that just emotionally devastates me so it's not hard for me to imagine this song just like cut through my core yeah no uh, fuck it was beautiful no did you see the music video too yeah yeah it was really kind of nice it was a great yeah yeah it was yeah really faint i'd never heard i've heard those songs on the gorillas album and never kind of thought twice. I just figured it was some weird, you know, gorillas. I never yeah. know who they are anyways. No, I, but I'll definitely check them out more. I definitely want yeah. to, too, because they, like, they have, like, three or four albums. Yeah. Music out. And the lyrics are really good. Like, one line I wrote down, was it two wills, one mirror holding us dearer now? That's poetic shit. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. And that's... 
There we go. I have to like hand it to her. Like if she can like have these extremely introspective lyrics that are like so ambiguous but still can affect me like that. Yeah. Kudos to you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Great song. Very kind of atmospheric and yeah, fantastic. All right. I guess with that we can move on to our final song, the song "If." by bread which while not recommended by is dedicated to my mother jean wanniger so sweet she uh she was a little jealous about the fact that my dad came up a couple times <laughs> on this podcast so ah. I, promised, I promised her i would mention her dude you gotta do right by your mom come I, on and i'm man. trying to so i decided rather than even just mentioning her we would talk about her favorite song by Bread, nice. which is a band she enjoyed a lot as a teenager. Yeah. So this is off the 1971 album, Mana. Bread was an American soft rock band from Los Angeles, California. Soft rock is a style of music that uses the techniques of rock music, often combined with elements of folk, to compose a softer, more toned-down sound. Mm-hmm. Their name came from a time in 1968 when the band was driving around and they were stuck in traffic. And the entire time they were in traffic, they were stuck behind a Wonder Bread truck. Really? That's and <laughs> allegedly that's where they came up with the name Bread. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask. Oh. Over the course of almost 40 years, the band has released six studio albums, five compilation albums, 15 singles, and have formed and broken up three separate times. <laughs> Damn. The original five members of the band, or of the original five members of the band, only uh, two still survive to this day. David Gates, who was one of the primary songwriters and vocalists of the band, and Rob Royer, who was the bassist. Mm. In 2005, both Jimmy Griffin, who was the other primary songwriter and vocalist, and Mike Botts, the drummer, died from cancer. And in 2009, their keyboardist, Larry Kenchell, died of a heart attack. Now, this is going to get me a little more fucked up. So their original <laughs> drummer... Up bread. Their original drummer was a guy named Jim Gordon. He's currently living out a potential life sentence in prison after murdering his mother. Wow. Wait, and his name is Jim Gordon, Jim too? Jim Gordon. Like the Batman, Jim Gordon? Right? That's his name? Yeah, the Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Commissioner. So wow. Jim Gordon, at the time, was a popular session drummer in the late 1960s and in early 1970s, working with... So many musicians. If you go on his Wikipedia page, he's worked with the Beach Boys, Bread, the Carpenters, Eric Clapton, Joe wow. Cocker, Alice Cooper, Neil Diamond, Art Gunkful, or um, Art Garfunkel, Hollow Notes, wow. George Harrison, Jim Henson, BB King, John Lennon, Gordon Lightfoot, The Monkees, Randy Newman, Harry Nilsson, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Steely Dan, Tom Waits, Frank Zappa. Holy. And. Gordon developed schizophrenia and began to hear voices, including his mother, which told him to starve himself and prevented him from sleeping, relaxing, or playing drums. And his physicians misdiagnosed the problems and instead treated him for alcohol abuse. So they oh. called, when he went in saying he had these problems, they said, you're an alcoholic. And in 1983, he attacked his 72-year-old mother with a hammer before fatally stabbing her with a butcher's knife, claiming that a voice told him to kill her. Wow. Only after his arrest for his murder was he properly diagnosed with schizophrenia. But sadly, 
At the time of his trial, the court accepted that he had acute schizophrenia, but they did not allow him to use an insanity plea defense because of certain changes due to California law in the Insanity Defense Reform Act. And it was dismissed as ineffective or something like that. Damn. So he's still in prison to this day, suffering from schizophrenia. And yeah, that's rough. And I, I guess it's a, it is an odd song to dedicate to your mom. I can't give it that information, but I, I assume you didn't know that I did beforehand, that, that, that which is, makes it much less weird. That is something that I just stumbled across <laughs> that is like interesting enough for me to like wow look yeah. into. Holy smokes. So back in the lighter note of things, in 2006, Bread was inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame. Not quite the rock and roll. Huh? No. Specifically vocals. <laughs> vocal. Mana is the third album released by Bread, and like the title of their preceding album, On the Waters, Mana is a biblical pun on the name Bread, this time as in like the mana that uh. heaven fed to the Israelites. Hmm. Mana bread. Although this was not literally bread, the word mana simply means what is it, and has often been metaphorically described as bread from heaven. Uh-huh. In the U.S., Bread's version of If was the shortest song title to become a top ten hit ever. Mm. It's just two, two letters, If. Yeah. Until 1993, when Prince put out his number seven hit, Seven, just ah. the number seven, later to be matched by Britney Spears' number one hit, the number three. Three. <laughs> If has been a perennial favorite at weddings, for example, like the first dance song ever since it was released. Mm. If has been covered by many singers and musicians, including Frank Sinatra, Olivia Newton-John, and Dolly Parton. David Gates, the writer of this song, has said, I wrote that one night at my dining room table after my kids and wife had gone to bed. It took me about an hour and a half with an extra verse left over. If you look at it, there are a few bizarre lines in there, like, you and I would simply fly away. That's kind of an unusual thought. When I was done, I said, this is the best song I've ever written and probably will be the best song I will ever write. Mm. For me, it's really held up over time, more so than any of the others. So uh, simply put, this song is about being so in love with someone that nothing else matters. Yeah. pretty much the sentiment. Yeah. What did you think of If? Uh, I'm... It was a so, it, it, to me. This was like a sort of if, if this was like a survey of 20th century music. You could play this as like an example of soft rock. This it's is soft rock. So, this is, has the sort of elements of rock, kind of ideas of rock, romance. There's some guitar, there's drums, there's keyboard, but it's very soft. It's very slow. It's gonna take you. It's gonna be easy. You're gonna feel. It's not my cup of tea, but I can respect it as soft rock. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it is extremely sappy. Yeah, but yeah. I truly felt that the the singer loved this person he was talking. Yeah, about. I definitely yeah. like the metaphors and the lyrics. Like for a sappy love song, it was well written. Yeah, the, and, line, the lines are good, and he has a fantastic voice. I gotta say, but he his voice is. Does more than a lot of pop stars it probably do today. It is a soft rock like, voice. You gotta have a pretty voice for I, slow songs. You gotta. 
no offense to <laughs> David Gates, but like, I'm, this is like so not me because I don't agree with bullies at all. But like, <laughs> I wanted to beat this guy up. <laughs> Dude, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. For someone yeah. who grew up listening to like emo music, this was a bit sensitive. To me. Like, <laughs> it was a little, yeah. a little too soft around. Yeah. The yeah. Now it was well written. I really liked the orchestration in the music, yeah. like the strings. Yeah. But it was just like. So like this song like I could taste honey in my mouth while yeah. I was listening to this song. It was so sweet. Yeah, it was very, very sweet, very sentimental, very pretty. Which yeah, I guess I guess we're just too manly for that. Yeah, we're just we're we're too manly. <laughs> I mean the voice Sorry mom, yeah. I'm just too manly. I'm too manly. But no. yeah, I mean, it is kind of one of those songs where if you're I could definitely see if you're in a certain mood or like a first dance. And, you know, yeah, first dance of a wedding. There, yeah, sure. I mean, it probably wouldn't be my first dance. Especially in, like, the 70s and 80s. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, exactly. But I got to say, it's one of the worst names for a band of all time. Brand. And upon hearing the origin story, it might simply be the worst name ever. So the reason why Bread. I, sh- the reason why I Bread. chose this song. Bread. The name is Bread. It's, uh, it's pretty, yeah. A little oh. too simple. So the, the reason why I chose this song for my mom was like, I just remember there's this time where like my mom came to me. She's like, you know how to like download music, right? Ooh. Like I, I had no idea that like my mom like even knew about pirating music. She's like, she's like, I don't care where it comes from. But could you get me the best of bread? And, that's what she, and I was like, that's nice. what do you mean the best of bread? Yeah. She's like, the best of bread. And I'm like, what's bread? And she's like, oh, it's a band. I, I, I've never heard of it. Yeah. So I have a special connection with this band in that is the only song my mom has ever asked me to acquire for her. Nice. Wow. That so, speaks volumes. And then I asked man. her what her favorite bread song is. And she said it was If. So nice. that's why I chose the song If by Bread for you, mother. You done good for Mrs. Wanniger. You done good. So, uh, what was your favorite of the five? I I like them all. I'll be honest, but Rocket Man, William God Shatner, man, that's deep. <laughs> it's so deep. <laughs> There's layers. You're just so proud of your interpretation. <laughs> There's unending layers upon layers, and I still feel it kind of reverberating in the back of my kind of subconscious. Had you? Listen to this song before this podcast. Do you know about his rendition? Of no, 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 no. I didn't. Oh, really? No, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. I'm surprised. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I will let you off the hook then. I was a huge fan of Rocket Man by Elton John, by Elton John. but this took it to a whole new level. I, I'm, I'm surprised you like made it into your mid twenties without ever <laughs> coming across William Shatner's rendition of Rocket Man. I got to go to the age of maturity, so I could. Truly you got to see song. it through the <laughs> eyes of an intellectual, unlike yeah. all of us yeah, yeah. who have been jaded since we were young. The song is deep. I'm on the record. No, no tongue in cheek, Jared. You can advocate. Tell him. No he's, tongue in cheek. He's being here. serious. <laughs> Dead serious. Dead serious. It's his tongue is not protruding <laughs> through his cheek. The song is deep. I'm going to have to go with Twice by Little Dragon. <laughs> what? That song moved me, This man. is a travesty, man. It moved <laughs> me. <laughs> Start, All right, well, start a war. Well, agree to disagree. Yeah, I'm gonna have agree to go to with twice. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with twice. So, 
If you enjoyed this episode of listener-submitted music, please continue to submit your music. And if you've already submitted music, feel free to submit more. Submit any music you'd like for a listener-generated episode. Submit genres for genre specials, such as Vaporwave and other genres that are coming up. If you make music yourself, feel free to submit it for us to talk about. You can send it to our Facebook facebook.com slash shuffle tweet it to me uh, at shuffle podcast post it on our tumblr shufflepodcast.tumblr.com email us shufflecastpod at gmail.com or since I'm assuming most of you know me in person you can just contact me directly if you need to also please listen to the game cave podcast hosted by John Miller if you want to hear us talk about video games you can find that at soundcloud.com slash the game cave podcast and here are do you want to plug anything for yourself other than wings and william shatner oh uh, yeah check out dominic dot uh Manthe at zang zanga uh yeah you're gonna have to go home and make a zanga page because <laughs> people are gonna look for it get on my zanga okay. man i got a couple follows already my mom my uncle my brother yeah, you can follow yeah. her zanga page too oh yeah 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 get the dish on what i was like as a kid you know I'm still looking for it. <laughs> Every listeners can find D.D. Manthe's Zanga page. Send it to me, <laughs> and I will pay you for it. The hunt is on. All right, so here are the tracks for our next uh, official shuffle episode. It might, there might be some other little special ones in between here, Ooh. but here are the tracks for the next official shuffle episode. Laura by Flogging Molly is the first mm. track. Second, Get What You Need by Jet. Third, Asshole by Beck. Fourth, Post Physical by Picture Plane. And fifth, Before You Die, You See the Ring by Faracha Trench, Hans Zimmer, Henning Loiner, and Martin Tillman off the Ring soundtrack. <laughs> Dang. So you can go ahead and listen to those and look forward to hearing about them. And other than that, I hope you all have a good week and thank you for listening. See Crest out. <laughs> See you. Bye. <laughs>